Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. who had to chase it down and rip the poor lady apart with the Bible. Yes. Anyway, I did. And every time I every time I mentioned Paul, she would sort of wince. Her husband would sort of wince. I mean, the people are just deceived. Finally, we reached a good settlement at the end of it. Understand the doctrine of Paul. You don't, you don't know what you think you know. You think you know the Bible, but if you don't understand what Paul was teaching, you can't know the Bible. Everybody hear me? I want all you Gentiles to hear me. I want all you Gentiles to hear me. If you can't understand what Paul, if you don't understand what Paul teaches, there's no possible way to understand the Bible. I can't say this enough. This man. Because he had the revelation. Jesus gave it to him to teach us. Don't forget. It was so bright. And yet he just had to take all of his knowledge, basically, put it in, put it in the trash. All the knowledge that he had, except for his knowledge of the Word of God. Everything else that got him where he is, had to put it in the trash. One of the things he did to prove to us that we were not supposed to go toward Judaism, in fact, Jews were supposed to come our way. I think was he changed his name. Had a perfectly good Hebrew name. 
That's why these groups, I always try to drag us back under Judaism and under the law, they won't call Jesus, Jesus. Calls him Yeshua. Well, okay, that's his Hebrew name. But by the way, Jesus did speak Greek. He read, he read, from, a Greek New Te- read, read from a Greek Old Testament, Greek scroll of Isaiah. He read from the Septuagint when he stood up in that, in that synagogue on that day. He didn't go around calling himself Yeshua. Probably not. They do. They rejected all of the New Testament scriptures. No, 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 no. His name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. If you speak Hebrew. Anybody here speak Hebrew? His name is Jesus. As I said before, I think I've told you all here in this class, the devil's outcast out think that's the real name. They obey that name. What's in a name? Well, you know, Juliet, Capulet, said to Romeo Montague. But uh, because he said, oh, thou fair Juliet, thou rejected Capulet. Thy, you know. She said, pardon me, I love Shakespeare. She said, she said, what's in a name? That which would fall around. That's the Texas version of it, you know. Well, it smells sweet. Well, I'll tell you what's in a name. A name reveals an awful lot about you and your parents. It doesn't necessarily reveal your character, but it reveals an awful lot about you and your parents, especially where, why they named you what they did. We have a son who names all of his kids after relatives of old or his parents, and his kid, Brandon, he names, you know, he's the most removed from us. He can't have a baby without it having some relative's name attached. That's how Coy got Coy McKinley. Coy McKinley Holler. Well, that's my grandfather's middle name, Joel McKinley. You know, names are important. And the Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul, taking that name, whoever, perfectly good Hebrew name that he had, Saul. And can I tell you something? He did worse than naming himself a Greek name. I mean, that would have been tolerable because some of the Jews were very Hellenistic anyway. If he had just taken a Greek name, they probably could have had it. Oh, no. He reaches right past the Greeks and goes to the worst pagans of the day, the Romans, and took a Roman name. Paulos is a Roman name. Wow. What's that telling you? Is he going to be, is he going to be welcome when he shows up at the local temple? at the Jerusalem temple or at the local synagogue. Ah, my name's Paulus. I'm a Jew. And I, I just took this name myself because I thought, you know. Well, they know why men took changed their names to identify with the people they're in now. Christians in North Africa, when they get born again, I mean, you know, they come from Muslim backgrounds. They, 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 they take Christian names. They do it on purpose to separate themselves from Islam. Islam. Of the East, they think that way. We're going to see something here in this passage a little bit later, too, in Acts chapter 18. We'll get through this. Paul, like nobody else, taught us the things that God, like nobody else, would or cared to do. Jesus 
That's my understanding of the record. All right. worshiping this man. He wouldn't have it at all. But the revelation he had the Word of God. Worship that. And I'd rather tell you not that it's innocent speech, but what it is. Remember, Paul was educated. He could have he could have wowed him with his words. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 24, Festus cried out, while Paul is preaching to Agrippa the king, Festus cried out, said, just cried out with a loud voice, Paul! Much learning doth make thee mad. You have educated yourself crazy. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you've learned so much, you've gone crazy. You know, most people, read, most religious people read Paul's writings, they still think the same thing. They think he's crazy. They can't believe he says the things he did, that he does about faith and grace. They just can't get a hold of it. Much learning doth make you mad. He says, oh, I'm not mad, oh, noble Festus. Who sounds crazy here, Festus or Paul? He says, I'm not mad, oh, noble Festus. I've just found a way to join you with you. Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Huh? Now, what, what we are supposed to know about each other is that this crucifixion of Christ has taken effect on the inside. What you look like, where you come from, your level of education, what kind of money you make, what kind of money you don't make, should not enter into anybody's thinking in the church about the value of the person we're talking about. Paul said, I don't care. I don't care anything about you. You tell me you've got degrees? Great. I'll show you some degrees. separate each other by our race. We separate each other by our economic status. We separate each other by our sex. We separate each other by all, any, any, any divider that we can. Texans are prejudiced against Okies. I know this per- firsthand. I know this firsthand. I mean, anything, anything. I actually had a lady, when I, my very first pastor way deep in the heart of Texas. lady said, Pastor Hall, do you know uh, do you know what happened when the Aggie went across the border? I said, no. She said, well, raise the IQ of both states. I said, well, that's awful to say. That's just awful to say. Been living with that stuff ever since. And I said, well, she said, what? I said, that served me right, leaving Oklahoma and coming on down here like this. She said, yeah, sure does. In fact, why are you here? I said, well, you know, me and a friend of mine, we were going to raise up preachers and got everybody in Oklahoma saved. We're good people. We started looking for sinners and raised our head and looked right across that river. Dad, gum, there's a whole state full of them. <laughs> I've been here ever since working on it. <laughs> I'm sorry for Dad, gum. I'm not. He said that. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. He said, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 18. He's not, he's not euphemizing here. He's not saying, 
You know, I had some trouble in the nights with night sweats and dreams. And stuff. No, no, that's not the kind of trembling and fear he was talking about. I want you to see Acts chapter 18, verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses here let you see what kind of trembling he had. This man lived with terror. In that very moment, Paul didn't have fear in his life. Paul, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he, he wasn't a fearful person. He's a faith man. But anybody, when they're threatening you at the moment, breathing down your neck at the moment, promising to kill you if they get a chance, I mean, anybody's going to tremble a little at that. And that's what he says was happening. Acts chapter 18. Verse 1, Barbara, do you have it there? Can you read that for me? Just keep reading and I'll stop you when I want you to stop. Now, you remember he was preaching in Athens on Mars Hill. That's where he said, if happily we may feel after him and find him by faith. Go ahead. is his first visit to Corinth. Pretty significant. This is where he meets Aquila and Priscilla. The most important helpers outside Titus and Timothy and Tychicus, the big three T's, you know. But that besides them, these, these are the most important companions he had in ministry. And this is where he met them in Corinth. Go ahead. Claudius Caesar. Silas and Timothy were hanging back in Athens. Macedonia, you know it is Greece. They were hanging back for whatever reasons, and they came later. Go ahead. Jesus has already told him to go send him to the Gentiles, but he always went to the Jews first. Every time he'd go someplace, that practice stopped. Now, he didn't stop going to the Jews altogether, but he stopped prioritizing them. He just started preaching whoever he could get. Go ahead. Obviously being threatened, 
and the Lord came and told them not to fear. The reason he was being threatened, if you read the rest of this chapter, later on, the Jews do raise a revolt. Paul stayed there a full year and a half in the trouble. But at the end of that year and a half, the Jews finally created an insurrection against Paul, and, and uh, the, uh, the, the magistrate there would not have him beaten or anything. But So the Jews grabbed Sosthenes, who was the chief ruler of the synagogue, and Sosthenes became a follower of Christ, as we, as we, we saw last week. And they dragged him out, and they gave him a good beating. Okay? Because they, Paul was a Roman, and the Jews couldn't just indiscriminately beat up on Romans unless they did it illegally. And the, and the judgment had already been made, and he couldn't have tampered with, and Jesus had already said, I'm not going to let it touch you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. And so, evidently, Paul was dealing with that fear right there at that place. Here he says, in my speech and my preaching, he said, I was with you in fear and in much trembling. Thank you, Barbara. Verse 4. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. His preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Did I read that right, Pastor Glenn? That his word, that his, he, he didn't try to convince people. He tried, to, he tried to convert people. He hadn't come to just somehow convince them. You know, if you can convince somebody to be a Christian, somebody else can convince them to deny it. Christianity is not just about agreeing with our doctrine. As I said two weeks ago on Sunday morning, Christianity is about a miracle of transformation on the inside of you the moment you believe in Christ. No other religion in the world claims that that happens. We claim that happens. That a miracle of regeneration, a new birth, takes place on the inside of your spirit man. The moment you believe on Jesus, that he died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again from the dead. A miracle. Come on, everybody ought to say, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle woman. <clears throat> if you're born again today, that rebirth was a miracle. I mean, in John chapter 3, when Jesus was teaching Nicodemus this, Nicodemus said, well, how's that going to happen? How do I re-enter my mother's womb? See, he's not thinking miracle. Jesus said, with men it's impossible. Yes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It takes a miracle. It takes a miracle to become a Christian. You can't become a Christian without this miracle taking place. This transformation of spirit and power. That's why. That's why we back it up. That's why we back it up when we preach the gospel. We back it up by saying that God works miracles. I dare, I dare, I dare the devil to try to keep us from believing and preaching and practicing the miracle God. Oh, he's tried it. He tried it. He's going he to do it whether I dare him or not. Paul would walk right into the worst heathen places and preach the gospel of Christ. I mean, preach it. Preach it strong. The devil would resist. 
I say, th- I say things like that in some places, and folks just, oh, he's daring the devil. He's a loser. He's already lost. Be afraid. It's a loser. Doesn't mean he's not going to try to attack you. Doesn't mean he's not going to sneak you and try to steal things from you. He's a loser. It's not over unless you say it's over. You say, well, okay, it's the last of all. You know, I guess it was the will of the Lord. No, it's not the will of the Lord. It's not God's will. It could never be God's will. For I mean, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. What, what, what part of that is God? See? And he says here that God's method of reaching the lost is the Spirit and power. Acts 1.8 says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power. You shall receive power after that the Spirit has come upon you. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power. Power to do what? To see people one to Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. I didn't come to you for some sort of fancy argument that I could beat you down with. I just came telling you Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and then then the miracles broke out, and there you stand. But if you can be convinced, you can be unconvinced. But if your deal, if you came into this thing through the miracle power of God, you've been changed, you can't be unchanged. Because a guy who has an argument is always in the advantage, has an advantage over the one, or, or is always disadvantaged. The one who has an argument is always at the mercy of the one who has an experience. Christianity is not just about an argument. It's about an experience. It's an experience. In fact, it's about many experiences. He says here in verse 5 that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Faith standing sounds like there's an ongoing thing here. Not that your faith stood, but that it's standing today in the power of God. There ought to be regular demonstrations of the power of God in our lives. Okay? Wisdom can be, can convince, a, uh, 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 can convince, but another, another wisdom can sway one away. Very simple. Look at verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He said, well, there is wisdom, but it's God's wisdom. Let me tell you why men struggle with this so. Or we struggle with the wisdom of, of, of God. Because of what we lost in the garden. We lost this ability to have the wisdom of God like that in the garden. Adam was walking around with the wisdom of God every day. The voice of God would come in the cool of the day, and they would talk things over. I mean, he had a face-to-face relationship with God, and they talked. You're plenty smart if you can have conversations with God like that. Had them all the time. And then one day, the 
devil put it in his mind that he might find some knowledge some other way. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And ever since then, since men have been locked into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, taking what did not belong to them, God would freely give them whatever they needed. They didn't need to eat the tree. He would have freely given them anything they wanted. They didn't need to eat that tree. Gave them anything they wanted. Now somebody's going to ask, well, why did he put that tree there to tempt them? He did not put the tree there to tempt them. The tempter tempted them. I don't think they even thought about the tree until the tempter came. See? But the tree was there to make them free moral agents. To give them one choice. And every day they didn't do it. They were activating their right to choose. Without that tree there, they're nothing but puppets on a string. Everybody hearing me? That tree had to be there. It was the only way God could satisfy his own soul, his own heart. That man was choosing him. Because nobody, even if even if you could, as good as this is going to sound, what's his baby's name? Lane. Lane Foster. Yes, Lane. Now, Lane, Lane's a pretty good-looking kid. But don't kid yourself. You know his mom and dad both are saved and spirit-baptized, speaking in other tongues. They gave birth to a sinner. He don't look like a sinner. He looks perfect. But he was born a sinner. You already knew that, didn't you? That's going to come a day where he's going to get saved. He's sanctified right now by his parents' faith. But one day he's going to have to get saved all by himself, him and Jesus. But between now and then, and in fact, even if he gets saved at three years old, he's still going to become a teenager. <laughs> come a time, though, probably when he gets about 12 or 13, that you're going to wish that they would invent something. Yeah. Where you could painlessly, painlessly insert this little microscopic thing into his ear in the night that reprogrammed his brain. And all you'd have to do is put that thing in his ear, and all you'd have to do is just program the thing, you know, on the computer, get the little chip out, stick it in there, and, and, and then you get up in the next morning, you say, I mean, at, 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 at 6.30 or whatever time, he's got to get up and get to school. 6.30, he's up, he's got his made, bed made, he's already, he's already sat down there and done about an hour's worth of, worth of uh, 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 homework. He, he, he's, he's cleaned up the, he cleaned up his room, everything looks real nice. He comes out, he's got the refrigerator open, he's, he's making breakfast for everybody. He's emptied all the garbage cans, washed all the dishes. And he says, now, Mama, now, Mama, I'm going to help you with supper tonight, so don't start till I get home from school. You don't have to come get me. I'm going to make arrangements to get, to get home myself today. I, I've got a friend who's going to get me home. Uh, don't, don't you worry about me, Mama. Breaks home nothing but straight A's because you programmed him to. None of that came out of him at all. That was all on the chip. He says, yes, sir, no, sir. 
Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He never does one thing wrong because you put it on the chip that that's how he's going to act. Now, I know it sounds good, but how many of you honestly repent? that chip, I'm going to scream and holler. No. That's not how you build a relationship. That won't work. You don't like it. God didn't like it either. That's why I gave them a choice to put that tree in. Everybody understand now? He wanted you and him at the moment. That set them apart from Adam. chose the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. The knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They, they chose that. They lost the wisdom of God. The very first thing out of Adam's mouth when God comes walking that day in the cool of the day, he says, Adam, where are you? He didn't make any such contact with Adam. Adam, where are you? Adam says, um, I was afraid. First thing out of his mouth was, I was afraid. He stops talking like God instantly. So scared. Lord, Lord, operate in fear. Now, if she's your candidate, I, I would just, I'll pick on mine later. Mine didn't get in. Alan Keyes didn't get in. Didn't like if I determine, well, um, what verse are we in? Verse 13. speak the wisdom of God, verse 7, in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Unto whose glory? Who's supposed to get the glory from this? It says there we're supposed to get the glory. I didn't write it. He said he did this for our glory. you to get the glory? Because he knows you'll give it all to him. You're the ones that come to church and say glory to God. You're the ones that when you, you've been you've been attacked by the devil, when you get through it, you say glory to God. He wants you to get glory so you can give all the glory to him. When men are glorified out there, they don't give glory to God. They give glory to mama, to their school teacher, give glory to the government. They give glory to this. They give glory to that. They don't give glory to God unless they're one of His. And when they're one of His, they give Him glory. That's why He wants you to get glory. That's why He wants you to succeed. That's why He wants you to prosper. That's why He wants you to be in hell. That's why He'd rather have that Mercedes-Benz parked at church than at the bar. He wants you having stuff. So you'll say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. He wants you glorified because you're the ones who give him glory. You give him glory. When you get the glory, you give him the glory. Nothing wrong with you getting the glory. 
long as you don't keep it. Everybody hear me? I want you to pat the pastors in this church on the back. I want you to pat them on the back and tell them how wonderful they did. But I don't want them spewing that back in your face. Said, oh, don't give me the glory. Oh, don't thank me. Just thank the Lord. My guys don't do that. If they do that to you, you tell me. Because they're supposed to say, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then go home privately and give Jesus the glory. The reason that glory comes to you is so you can have something to give to him. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody tells you about how good you are, you say, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Pray for me. And then you go home and you give Jesus the glory. That help you? See, he did this for our glory. He knows. He knows what you're made of. He knows when you're born again, you'll give him the glory. You look in that mirror and you know all that good stuff's in you. It, it, not, it didn't come from you. It came from an alien source. Amen. The wisdom of the new covenant he's talking about here. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The evil spirits that were at work in the world when Jesus died for our sins, they did not know what was going on. The princes, that is, the, the, the natural rulers, nor the principalities that were at work behind them, the demonic forces, they had no idea what was happening. They thought, finally, we've killed this miracle worker. Finally, we've gotten rid of him. Now, now. Who cares what happens to him out there? Who cares if he goes to heaven or hell? At least we've gotten rid of him. That's what they thought. But what they didn't know was the secret wisdom of God was that the only way a man is supposed to die is if he has sin attached to his life. Sin brought death. Death does not bring sin. Sin brought death. Everybody hear me? Sin's what caused Adam to die. In the day that you eat of that tree, you will die. Sin brings death. And they killed Jesus. That's why he said, you don't have any power over me. I'm laying my life down. They couldn't kill Jesus because he'd never sinned. You cannot kill him. Death cannot touch a man who doesn't sin. He had to give his life or he wasn't going to die at all. They could try to kill him. You can't kill a man that's never sinned. He won't die. You could run a spear right through. They could have run a spear right through Jesus. He wasn't willing to die. He could have just stood there and said, Can you die this way? Couldn't kill him if he wasn't willing to die because he had never sinned. Everybody understand me? Sin's what brings death. I don't care what you do to Jesus. If he hadn't sinned, he can't die unless he gives his life. This is deep stuff here now. You getting this? He gave his life. That's why he had to give it. Couldn't take it. Death couldn't get him. But what the princes of this world didn't know is that when he did that, death couldn't hold him. 
books and tried to find where he had gone wrong, where he had sinned. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. He's paid the price. What does justice do now? Here, he's paid the price. What does justice do now? It says, and none of the princes of this world knew. None of the princes of this world knew. They had no idea about the resurrection. They had no idea what was going to happen to Jesus. Had no idea that he would be able to claim the sins of the whole world and repent it and rectify it for everybody, past, present, and future. How many of you know Jesus was dealing with all sin, future sin, when he died? Because you weren't even born yet. You weren't even born yet. He was dealing with everybody's sin, all directions. And said, had they had any idea of what was going to happen, that three days after he died, he was going to come out of the grave victorious, and men were going to start believing and having their own lives changed from darkness to light, just like that instantaneous miracles happening everywhere, because the moment they believed, they received this miracle of rebirth. And had they known it, they would not have crucified him. No, oh! Oh, had they known it's going to be another religious institution take another take the place of an old one, they wouldn't care. They're in charge of religious institutions. Well, what of what faith are you? Not of any faith that you think. I live by faith. The only religion in the world that does live by faith claims you can't get in without a miracle taking place inside of you. Claims its leader attends every single meeting they hold around the world simultaneously. President and chairman of the board on the scene, every meeting, no matter how big, no matter how small, all around the world, all at the same time. He shows up at every meeting. Muhammad can't do that. Doesn't even claim to. Outstanding claims. Wow claims about this Jesus. All true. All true. What separates us from him makes us the opposite of him. I'm going to say it one more time. I want to let you all finish it. Christianity is not different from other religions. It's oh, three people got that. Christianity is not different from other religions. It's opposite. Nothing like them. It's not even in the class of religions. Well, I look down here. I love this. I've got so many notes here. I can't hardly keep up with all of them. The devil, if, if, if he had known what was taking place when Jesus died, he didn't have any clue that the wisdom of God was being released on him. He would have just, he would have just screamed bloody murder. None of the princes knew, or had they known it, they would not have crucified him in the grave. The wisdom of God was released through the crucifixion of Christ and the subsequent preaching. Verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
but God hath revealed them unto us. Now see, in my growing up, we heard that verse 9 all the time. If you're raised in church, you heard verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. You heard it, oh, nobody knows the things that are prepared for those that love the Lord. Oh, we get to heaven, there's going to be treasures untold, things that we can't possibly know. That's not what that said. It didn't say that. That's what we've been taught, but it just didn't say it. It said, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us. Oh, so we can know. We should know because it's been revealed. Well, where would you find all this information about what has been revealed to us? Where would you find all of this? God has revealed it unto us. Look here. <laughs> but, the, but, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Okay? That's why I teach my students, why I teach my church, I teach my pastors. I don't spend too much time reading books that people write trying to explain the Bible. Just read the Bible. Spend all that energy reading the Bible. Now, it's not, it's not, it's not wrong to read a book. Miss Jennifer offers you a book at the bookstore, and Pastor Eric stands up there and says, this is a good one, read it. get it and read it because it's been scrutinized, okay? It got, you know, it's going it's to be what the book says. But spend your time in the Word. The Word of God changes everything. I said the Word of God changes everything. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The reason why most people do not know what has been given to them by God is because when they read the Bible, they read it with an unspirit-filled life. And they read the Bible, and it looks like a rule book. And they wind up just formulating religious ideas about all the hoops you've got to jump through and all the ladders you've got to climb and all the walls you have to scale in order to be saved. Hmm? You heard how religion talks. you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to do Hold on, hold on. What about walking by faith and trusting in God for the promises? What about acting like I am the righteousness of God in Christ? Hallelujah. What about, what about my relationship with my Father? He's in me, and I'm in Him. Don't I just need to listen to the Spirit? Don't I just need to read the Word of God? Don't I just need to sit under preaching? Don't I just need to build my faith and find myself as a child of God, living like God in the earth, rather than you making up a bunch of rules for me to keep? Now, you'd be surprised at the things that people say you that they believe you have to do. And one man tell me that dancing with the sin. Well, no, you know what I mean. I said, no, I really don't have no idea what you mean. He was dancing for sin. I said, 
but we dance in church. He said, I'm not talking about that kind of dancing. I said, then tell me what kind of dancing you're talking about to see. We're going to the bars and dancing. I said, okay. Going to the bars and dancing is a sin. Yeah! Don't you believe that, brother? I said, well, I'll believe it. I'll believe it just like you say it. He just opened that book. Give me chapter and verse. Just show me what it says in there. I think he's still standing over there looking. Where do you get all that stuff? Believers are not attracted to bars. Believers are not attracted to wife swapping on a dance floor. Believers don't do that. You don't have to tell a believer that that's a sin. Why don't you teach that believer about his righteousness so as to fortify him against thinking like that? The more you tell him that's a sin, the more he's going to think, you know, I need to check into that. Sin consciousness always drives people to it. Always has. I've been at this a long time. I know what I'm talking about. saying you should never say anything about sin. But when I read the Apostle Paul's writing, he says so preciously about it. So preciously about it. He's talking about who we are in Christ and our righteousness. He said, well, Jesus talked many about sin. Well, he did talk about sin some. He talked about money a lot more than he did sin. You don't like the prosperity message, do you? He talked about money more than he did heaven and hell combined. Receive not the spirit of the world. So what does the spirit of world of the world teach? What does the spirit of the world teach you? Well, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. The spirit of God that, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So what, what how do you know when you're listening to the spirit of the world? And it's telling you everything you can. What you ought not do. What you can't have. Y'all don't believe in that, do you? Y'all don't believe in that speaking in tongues in the spirit of the world talking about that. Well, we don't believe in healing. Oh, the spirit of the world talking. But the spirit of which is of God tells us what's freely given to us. There ain't nobody talking about what we can't do. Always tell us what we can do. Can I get a good amen? amen? Verse 13. 
Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This is why your friends look at you like they do. This is why they look at you like a horse looking at a new saddle. said that. You really believe that? It sounds foolish to them. They call you crazy. They call you brainwashed. You know what to tell you. You know what to tell them if they ever, if they, I told you what to tell them if they ever say you're brainwashed. Tell them my brain was filthy and needed washing. <laughs> Amen. My brain was filthy. Verse 15, that he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Wow. When you're spiritual, when you walk in the spirit, nobody judges you. They might call you crazy, but their judgment won't stand in your presence. You walk in the spirit. care of itself. It takes care of itself. Hallelujah. If you need me to walk around walk around with a big stick and hammer you every time you, th- you think a bad thought, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. But I need to meet that when I go to church. I need to be taught that I have I had an onboard guardian. Hallelujah, I had an on-board law, man. With a gun and badge, the Holy Ghost on the inside teaching me. Amen. Verse 16. But who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? so big. This wisdom is so big that there's no kind of instruction. God doesn't need correction. Yeah, but Lord, it seems to me like one time Jesus let down a sheep over here who, who was in a trance. Had all kinds of ugly beasts and four-footed beasts and unclean things. Jesus said, Peter, rise, kill and eat. Y'all remember what Peter said? Not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. If he's Lord, there's not even not so in your demeanor or language with him. If he's Lord, it's just, yes, sir. But Peter so wrapped up in his own, I mean, here's one of the best guys in the Bible that he was wrapped up like that. Imagine what the average Joe out there is like. 
years ago, already walked on water, cast out devils, raised the dead. I mean, seen wonderful things. And Jesus says to him, rise, kill, and eat. He says, not so, Lord. So the Lord leaves, comes back in a minute with the same vision. Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Not so, Lord. You've got to be kidding me. And the third time it happens, he said, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And don't you call what I unclean, what I've cleansed. He said, and the vision left him. And right after that, people came from Cornelius' house. One of your cousins. He was a Gentile. What color was he? Who cares what color he was? Gentiles come in all colors. They were all the same. We all like to think we're different, but we're all the same. Cornelius is all of us. He was a Roman. He was, a, he was an Italian, is what he was. I promise you he ate shellfish. I promise you he ate pork. I promise you he ate everything that a Jew wouldn't even think about eating. Hmm? And that's why all those ugly preachers were on that ship. Because he knew what Peter was going to think about going to Cornelius' house. Go walk around. <laughs> go walk around. <laughs> like Ann does in my garage. That. You just kind of see Peter at their house going, I don't want to sit on that. Jesus said, You know, the man, when he went back to Jerusalem, when he went back to Jerusalem, I'm just saying she's a dainty little thing. You know. When he went back to Jerusalem, did he hear it from the Jews? Because they envisioned what was seated here sitting there, elbow deep in ribs, you know, just imagining what, what took place with him there. Hmm. But God did something wonderful. Bypassed, listen to me, the wisdom of men, which was human. Bypassed the wisdom of men and filled them all with foolishness. Why? That their faith might not stand in the wisdom of men. Troy says about this when he teaches on the Holy Ghost. He says, listen, don't let anybody belittle the fact that you speak in another tongue. And don't ever be ashamed because God used that as the sign to show Peter that he was the one who was saved. In the precedent-setting moment. This is not a little side issue. It's dead. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.